Zolana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thank you for joining me. As always, I'd like to start out today's episode by announcing the winner from last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 65 was entered to win a copy of the lovely new book by Hunter Hammerson called The Knitter's Curiosity Cabinet. I randomly selected a winner between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that Jersey Shore Deb will be receiving this book in the mail shortly. Congratulations, Deb, and thank you to everyone who participated. And I'll have another great book drawing for you to enter at the end of this episode. Now on to today's show. I hope that everyone out there listening is enjoying the return of knitting season with the cooler weather starting to creep in finally. And I also hope that you're having fun with your knitting projects. Because at least some of us should be having fun with our knitting right about now. Because, unfortunately, I can't say that I am. Now, I wish I could start out this podcast by being positive, by saying, oh, I'm working on this and I love it, like I usually do, but this time I just unfortunately can't. It's really sad. It just feels to me that nothing lately has been going right with my knitting. And it's making me feel quite, well, grumpy. As you've heard me say, like, probably a million times already, to the point where it's getting really annoying, I am still working on that group of designs for a new collection of knits that I'll be releasing next year. And, by the way, if you'd like a little preview of what's in store, I did just release one of the patterns for Tannis Fiber Arts Year in Color Club, and it's up on Ravelry called The Arching Leaves Socks. So go ahead and check that out. That'll be part of the collection that's coming next year. Anyways, like I was saying about me being a grumpy knitter, although I enjoy knitting and, of course, enjoy designing patterns, when things don't go right, it can be devastatingly frustrating. And because so many things have been going wrong with my knitting lately, at times it's actually made me feel like I just want to throw in the towel and start looking for another career. Firstly, I wrote up a pattern recently and left out one little line of instruction. Actually, it wasn't even a full line. It was just two characters, the letter K and the number five, which stands for knit five or knit five stitches. Leaving out those two tiny little characters at the beginning of an instruction line resulted in disastrous consequences. It cost me time, money, a whole lot of headaches, and probably also two test knitters that probably kind of hate me right about now. Now, it may be hard for you to believe that just a letter K and a number five could be responsible for such things, but I assure you, it's possible. So shortly after the missing K and five, 
I designed a hat that I had to rip back and re-knit, I don't know, maybe a trillion times. That's what it felt like anyway. And if you know me, you'll know that I hate, let me emphasize that again, hate ripping out my knitting. I hate it. This hat was seriously frustrating, and it just took way longer than it should have taken. Hat patterns always seem to do that to me. They always get me. The Autumn Vines Beret and Rustling Leaves patterns that I designed also did the same thing to me on the needles. It took me a long time to get those crown decreases just right on the pattern. The next knitting disaster this month actually wasn't a pattern problem, but more of a yarn malfunction. Did you even know that yarn can malfunction? Well, I'm here to tell you that indeed it can. I witnessed it with my very own eyes. It all began when I was finishing up a sweater design out of Brooklyn Tweed Shelter yarn. And let me start out by saying, I totally love this yarn. It's rustic, it's awesome, and although I know that this next sentence doesn't even make sense, I'll tell you that when I'm knitting with Shelter, I feel like a real knitter. I loved working with it, I loved my finished sweater design, and I'll totally knit with Shelter again. But I will tell you that this yarn does have its limitations. This new sweater that I just designed has a plain stockinette stitch body with patterning on the yoke of the sweater, much like my gnarled oak pattern. This pattern section has some cabling, and as I was working out the stitches and writing things down, I wasn't paying as good of attention as I should have to the tension of my stitches, and... Well, I accidentally made the cables on one side of the cardigan noticeably tighter than the other side. Now, any normal knitter would have noticed this and just immediately ripped it out and re-knit it. But not me. Remember how I hate to rip back my knitting? Well, unfortunately, that fact really ended up biting me at the end of this story. So, I didn't want to rip it back. I just kept on going. To remedy the tightness of the cables, I just kind of tugged at them and reassured myself that blocking and tugging at it would even it out. After every few rows, I would hold up my sweater to see how the pattern was forming, and every time, of course, I would see those tight cables with the fabric puckering underneath them, and it would bother me. So, I would simply tug at them a bit more and continue on. Over and over again, every time I stopped, I had the opportunity to rip out that section and re-knit it. But I didn't. I was in a hurry, and I just tried to convince myself that it wasn't that noticeable. I repeatedly smoothed the puckers with my fingers and tugged at the cable to loosen it up. But, of course, who was I kidding? It was noticeable, and it was driving me crazy. It drove me crazy when I first noticed it, when after I had worked an inch above it, when after I had worked five inches above it, then seven inches above it, and after I bound it off. And it continued to drive me crazy even after I seamed the sweater together at the shoulders. When I laid the sweater out on the couch, all completed, so I could work out the placement of the buttons and the buttonholes, 
That pesky, tight cabling, of course, caught my eye, yet again. And once again, I stretched out that side to try to match the other side, I smoothed out those puckers, and I gave that cable one last final tight tug. It turns out that the shelter yarn is great for many things, but not for being tugged on. Remember how in a previous episode I said that you could easily break the yarn instead of cutting it with scissors when you're done casting off? Well, that should have sent up a red flag, wouldn't you think? Yeah, well, you guessed it. That poor little cable that I was tugging on just couldn't hold up anymore, and finally broke under the strain of my incessant tugging. And to make matters worse, immediately many cabled stitches unraveled, leaving a very unsightly, noticeable hole right in the front of my pretty, completed sweater. The whole experience was so surreal. It happened so quickly, and it just completely caught me off guard. I found myself just sitting there, looking at the situation, perplexed, like, did this really just happen? I've never busted a cable on a sweater before, and I've never had a stitch break in a knitted garment. I didn't even know that such a thing was possible. But apparently it was, because there I was, sitting there staring at a big hole in my cable pattern. I immediately went into a panic, thinking of a way to repair the hole. Anything to not rip back, right? But the yarn was frayed where it had pulled apart, and I was afraid that any attempt on my part to salvage that cable would end up with an uglier result than a gaping hole. I just found it funny, in a very disturbing way, that the entire time I was knitting that cardigan, I was so concerned about not wasting time, not having to rip out and re-knit that cable, to the point that I neglected to fix the problem when I noticed it, just a few rows down. And now, because of that decision, I was forced to unseam and rip out the entire section. It felt like I was living in a children's story with this big moral lesson or something, as if the sweater was saying, so, you don't want to rip out just a few rows to make me right? Well, I'll show you in the end. So yes, I learned my lesson. That entire day wasted of unseeming, ripping out that sweater, and re-knitting the front yoke section, I was kicking myself for not just fixing that cable when I noticed it. That would have been much easier than taking apart the sweater. So let my experience be a lesson to you. Don't fool yourself. Don't try to stretch your way to a successful sweater. Just rip it out and re-knit it. You'll be happier in the long run. And I should mention another thing too. I also had issues with using the shelter yarn in sweater seaming. When I'm sewing my sweater pieces together, I like to use the mattress stitch for a nice invisible seam. And for those of you who are familiar with this technique, you'll know that you usually run the needle and yarn through several loops before cinching it tight to save time. Well, I learned the shelter doesn't enjoy being tugged on or cinched tight with the mattress stitch. My yarn kept breaking, and after much frustration, I ended up using a sturdy sock yarn for seaming instead. And of course I was able to do this because of the mattress stitch, it's invisible, so you don't end up seeing the yarn 
that you are seeming with if you do it right. Now, I haven't heard anyone else mention this issue, so it could be just me. Maybe I'm unusually rough with my knits, or maybe I just got an unusually delicate batch of this yarn. But I am mentioning it because I do think it's something to keep in mind if you're planning a project out of shelter in the future. I'm really hoping I can break this frustrating knitting and designing streak I'm on. But unfortunately, I have a feeling that it may be a while yet. I have a very badly behaved sweater on the needles that has stumped myself as well as my technical editor. It's lying on the back of my chair behind me right now, and I know I need to rip out a section and rework some stitches. I should tackle it tonight, but I am tempted to just continue pretending that it doesn't exist. It's not really there. I have mentioned to you that I absolutely hate ripping out my knitting, right? I think I even hate it more than the average knitter does. I've listened to other knitting podcasts and I've heard other knitters who make an entire sweater and don't like the fit on themselves and have ripped the entire sweater out and re-knit it. I can confidently say that I would never, ever do that. To prove my point, I'll tell you that I would rather lose 10 pounds than re-knit the same sweater in a larger size. I own many hannets that don't fit right and I would never rip them out. I even have half-finished projects that I know that realistically I will never finish. But I won't even rip those out. They remain intact in my stash. I just absolutely cannot stand ripping out knitting and I only do it if I have to. I guess I have ripping out issues, you might say. I suppose that it makes sense, since I would rather apparently tear a hole in the front of my sweater rather than rip back a few rows to fix a cable. I think that that confirms that I do indeed have a problem. So with all of that said, I'm sorry that I don't have a lot of great knitting news to share with you this month. Sometimes our knitting just doesn't work out as planned. It's just the way it is. But I am hoping for a much better knitting month in October. I do, however, have some good news to share about a new knitting book available. This episode I'll be featuring the book Reversible Scarves, Curing the Wrong Side Blues by my friend Audrey Knight of oddknits.com. You may recognize Audrey from her very popular Eleanor Cowell design, which appeared in the 2010 issue of Knitty Online Magazine. I met Audrey about five years ago now at the yarn shop I used to work at, and I must tell you that she is one of my favorite knitting friends. She is so kind, so generous, and just an all-around great person. I've spent many fun times with her over the years. We've spent countless hours together knitting at the shop. She's helped me photograph some of my early knitting projects at her house. And she even took me on a trip to Portland, Oregon for a knitting convention back in 2009, I believe. That was a ton of fun. And you might just remember how way back in season two of the podcast, I talked about knitting lots and lots of swatches for an upcoming book. Well, that was for Audrey and for this book reversible scarves. Back in 2009, Audrey hired me as somewhat of a design consultant 
and I tested lots and lots of stitch patterns for her. In fact, as I flip through the pages of her book now, all completed, I'm saying to myself, hey, I remember that stitch pattern, and look, there's that scarf I knit. It's a nice trip down memory lane. In fact, there's even a picture of myself in the book wearing a yellow scarf, a picture that Audrey took of me in her garden. I didn't know at the time that that shot would appear in her book, but I'm glad to be included. In this new book, Audrey solves a problem that scarf knitters are all too familiar with, the dreaded, unattractive side of the scarf. It's true that you might incorporate a lovely stitch pattern into a flat piece of knitting, such as a scarf. But when the item's worn the way it's intended, wrapped around the neck, the wrong side always shows. Audrey discovered this issue early on in her knitting career and set out on a quest to fix it. This book is the result of her efforts. This book contains 29 scarf designs, ranging from ribs, slip stitch patterns, cables, double knitting, and lace. All the patterns are entirely reversible, and both sides of the fabric look great. The patterns included are appropriate for a variety of skill levels. The scarves in Chapter 2, which are under the heading Surprisingly Simple Stitches, are great for beginners. But the cabled and double knitting scarves in Chapters 4 and 5 offer more complex techniques to hold the interest of more experienced knitters. There's something in this book for everyone, no matter what skill level you're most comfortable with. I can tell you firsthand, knowing Audrey, that this book is very detailed. And like everything Audrey does, it's very carefully thought out. It contains an excellent technique section with detailed explanations and pictures of all of the knitting techniques used throughout the book. And for some of the patterns, she even offers variations and shows pictures of what the design looks like knit in a different yarn, using a different weight or color. Very thorough. Some of my favorite designs in the book are the cables and knots scarf, which I also happened to knit and own a sample of, also the double eyelet and cable scarf, which has cables on one side and a lace pattern on the other, which I think is very cool, and also the woven dots pattern, which is created by actually weaving a separate contrasting color of yarn through the back and front of slip stitches to create a really pretty dot pattern. I remember swatching this one. It's very unique and I love the resulting look. Audrey in the book even shows what it looks like if you weave a variegated yarn with a solid or two solids together and they're both really cool. So I invite you to check out Audrey's book, Reversible Scars, Curing the Wrong Side Blues for yourself and you know, just plain old refuse to knit scarves with ugly wrong sides from here on out. You can find the book on Amazon, at your local yarn shop, or at the publisher's website at cooperativepress.com. I'll of course provide links in the show notes. If you'd like to enter to win a copy of your very own, please leave a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 66 by October 15th. I will randomly choose between the comments left and announce a winner on the following episode. This episode's knitting story was kindly brought to you today by our featured author, 
Audrey Knight. I briefly mentioned this particular story of hers in one of my early episodes, but Audrey was kind enough to share the full-length version with all of us today. And I'm glad because I think it's hilarious. I now present her story entitled, Pride Goes Before a Fall. This is the story of my very first sweater. It's also a story about how pride really does go before a fall. Literally. (laughs) When I was a new knitter, I was so excited to take my very first sweater class. It used a sleeveless Barocco pattern called Marika. The techniques we were to learn seemed so exotic to me. Armholes, a neckband, seaming the pieces together... It all looked in my mind like something only a knitting goddess could accomplish. Certainly not me. The yarn we used was Barocco's Zodiac. It certainly wasn't the smooth, plied, solid-colored wool I was used to. Instead, it used a strand of cotton yarn next to a shiny space-dyed nylon yarn, all wrapped together by a thin black thread. The pattern design used ribbing along the sides, making for a lovely fit. Now, just to transgress from the main story for a moment, isn't it funny how odd details from your past can stay with you? And how life is full of unexpected turns? Fast forward a few years and I'm working on Level 2 of the TKGA Hand Knitters program. It requires a vest to be knitted. Wouldn't you know, where should that side ribbing show up again? but in the initial sketches for my vest design. And let's not even talk about the idea that I would ever become a knitting designer, let alone an author. That notion, back when I was taking that first sweater class, would have seemed seriously crazy. Okay, getting back to the sweater story. The class worked away on our sweaters. We learned about ribbing the hem. We learned about selvage stitches. We even learned how to pair Knit Two Togethers and SSKs. Picking up stitches for the neckband seemed like magic to me. Finally, each of us ended up with a front piece and a back piece. Now, the Zodiac yarn had a lot of little specks in it that, let's face it, was perfect for hiding all kinds of flaws and mistakes. So, when I finished the sweater stitching up that last seam, I felt a glow of pride. It didn't look terrible. As a matter of fact, it looked pretty darn good. Now, I wasn't so confident that I would wear the sweater out in public. After all, it was kind of shiny and speckly. Well, not the sort of thing I would normally wear out. But I loved wearing it at home. I snuck surreptitious glances at myself in the mirror. Maybe this really was the most astonishingly beautiful sweater in the world. I had the sweater on one fateful night when I tripped over something in our house. Uh Uh-oh. I heard the bone in my foot break as I headed for a crash landing. You know how time slows way down during something like that? Well, reality 
came crashing down along with me as I hit the floor. Yes, I was aware I had broken something. And yes, I knew I was going to have to go to the hospital. But my first thought after that, it was, Oh no, I have the sweater on. It really is sort of a silly little sweater. If I wear this to the hospital, no doctor is going to take me seriously. Ack! So there I am, writhing in pain on the floor, and I make my husband rifle our closet to find me something more stylish to wear to the ER. He looked at me kind of funny, took in the reality of my little sweater, and promptly helped me dress in something else. I still have that silly little sweater, and the truth is, even if it brings back painful memories, I still kind of like it. Thank you again so much, Audrey, for contributing your story. If you listening out there have a knitting story that you would like to share with us on a future episode, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Everyone who sends me a recorded personal knitting story will receive a special personal knitting gift from me in the mail. I've received many stories to share so far this season, and I appreciate every last one of them. Thank you to everyone who has contributed. Before I close today's episode, I wanted to briefly update you on what's going on in the world of Never Not Knitting. As I mentioned last time, the Coastal Knits ebook and individual PDF patterns will be available soon. Our graphic designer has unfortunately had a family emergency, so that has taken a bit longer than expected. Additionally, we're working long hours behind the scenes here to get our new children's book, Annie and the Swiss Cheese Scarf, ready for pre-order. And when I say long hours, I mean that quite literally. My husband has been working on the new website for the book until at least midnight every night for the past several weeks. It's a lot of work now, but I know that when it's finally up and running, it's going to be awesome. I, we have so many fun things in store for this project, and I just can't wait to start sharing them with all of you. So thank you so much for your patience with us and for all of your support. Well, everyone, that's about it for today's episode. Thank you again for listening, and please join me again for episode 67 next month. Happy knitting! She won't even do the dishes The house plants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clicking From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad Pop ramen again She just won't stop the stitching And the neighbors say it really is quite sad I don't know about her She used to be such a sweet girl But now she doesn't knit No 
nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear. There's yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had